I've seen that it's not all, you know, rosies and daffodils and I'm okay with that. I accept that. I'm going to put up with that. And if I can get through this, I can get through anything. If you're a person who's looking to have more purpose in your life, if you're saying to yourself, I don't want to just go to work, I want to do my life's work, this is the show. This is the show, don't keep your day job. How do you figure out how to take your passion and turn it into a profit? Life is too short not to wake up every day excited. You've got something that you've got to share with the world. I'm positive. That's why you're here. The show will not just give you inspiration, but some real life tools that you can start to take some real action week after week so that you can not just go to work and build someone else's dream. You can do the thing that you've always truly wanted to do. Make yourself the happiest version of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so happy that you're here. 2018, this is going to be your year. Thanks to FTD for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. This Mother's Day, FTD can help express your feelings for mom through a floral work of art that's delivered straight to her door. To get 25% off a florist-style bouquet for mom this Mother's Day, go to ftd.com slash Mother's Day. That's ftd.com slash Mother's Day. Mother's Day is one word. FTD. They can arrange that. This episode is also brought to you by Dagny Dover. Dagny Dover is offering my listeners 20% off your purchase when you go to dagnydover.com slash dreamjob and enter my code dreamjob. Don't put off getting organized. My bag has changed my life. Check them out. That's D-A-G-N-E dover.com slash dreamjob and use my code dreamjob to get 20% off your order. You'll be so happy you did. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Skillshare is offering our listeners a limited time offer of two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash dreamjob. That's Skillshare.com slash dreamjob to get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. Act now for the special New Year's offer and start learning today. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I'm really excited about today's episode because it's really about shifting consciousness. It's really about being really on the highest level, really arguing for your potential every day, really thinking about what you want to be doing. Life does not have to be the way it is for all these other people that you see or for the way that you saw it being modeled for you as a kid. Like we really can find a more more joyful state. And today's podcast is really going to blow your mind. Um, you're going to love this. It's really exciting. Before we dive into our great guest, Mike Lewis, I'll tell you in a second who he is. I just want to say that it's been so much fun to see you guys taking steps and getting those notes from you in my DMs on Instagram and hearing the courage and the clarity that you're getting about what you want and seeing you having the strength to be messy and do things anyway. I want to give a shout out to a couple listeners and wins that they've had. On Instagram, I got an email from Grace and... Her handle is nature as it comes. She said, Hey, Kathy, I started my shop a couple years ago on Etsy as a hobby, but never really thought of it as a business until I started listening to your podcast. It really pushed me to put more time and energy into growing it into a full-time job. I'm so happy to say that this month, my rent is being paid by my business income and it has become my only job as of this month. It is so exciting and super scary at the same time, but it's happening. I really can't thank you enough. If you guys want to send Grace some love, go find her at Etsy on nature as it comes. She sells these awesome skincare products like bath bombs, beard oils, lotions, body butter. Everything looks amazing. I'm so proud of her. Way to go. One more win we got from Ashley Merck on Instagram. She said, hi, Kathy. I recently decided to go public with my blog, centered around my journey through grief after my mom passed away two years ago. Your podcast helped me acknowledge that writing and talking about grief and helping others through theirs is my thing, my thing I'm supposed to share with the world. I've also created a sister podcast, both of which are going live May 11th. I would have never had the courage to do this without your podcast. So thank you so much. So you can go to deathisarealbitch.com if you want to see Ashley's blog and get updated on her podcast, which is coming soon. I want to give a shout out to one of the most generous sparkly souls in my life. Her name is Jenny Goldfarb and she just launched her delightful YouTube channel. It's Count Your Colors and Jenny has been passionate about vegan food for years and she took the time to explore doing so many different jobs. She worked in tech. She worked in the the medical field. She worked in the music business. She worked in the fashion business. She did so many things. And finally, she really got clear that her, her biggest excitement came from talking about vegan food and making vegan food and helping people to feel healthier, more alive, and to help the environment and help animals. And she made the most delightful YouTube channel. She's putting out a video every week. Go send her some support. Tell her you heard about her on the show. She is so cute, so 
easy to love and what she's creating is just awesome and i love seeing all of you having the courage to do your thing it is so riveting it is so what this is life is about um you can find jenny on youtube at count your colors you can also find her on instagram she's jenny goldfarm I love hearing these wins from you guys. I don't know what to say. Every week, we're going to post on the Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook page and Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group to ask for any kind of win because they all deserve to be celebrated. It can be related to your business. Like people said, they published a blog post, they recorded a podcast, they booked an important meeting, or it can be something that just really made you happy. Like someone said they ate ice cream and watched Star Wars. Like whatever you feel like was your win, if your thing is you want to find more joy in your life, then that's a win. If you stop just to blow bubbles or get sidewalk talk, if your thing is that you, you really want to get out of breaking a certain pattern and you want to start this particular hobby and make it more time for it, that's a win. So if you haven't already, you can join us on the Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group. You can like our Facebook page and let us know what brightened up your week. And I'm just so, so proud and so happy seeing people feeling more alive. You deserve it. Joy is its own excuse for being. You do not have to be super what other people want you to be every second. You need to just be yourself and you're doing an amazing job. Okay, before we jump into this interview, let's say thanks to one of our awesome sponsors. Thanks to FTD for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Mom, I want to wish you such a happy Mother's Day. One thing that comes to my mind is she was like helping me learn to ride the bike and I would like fall off and then get back on. And finally, you know, I got back on and I didn't fall. And I remember her screaming down the street. It makes me cry. Oh my gosh. She was just screaming, go, Kathy, go, go. Since I was a little kid, I just always felt like my mom thought I was kind of magical and could do anything and she didn't have a lot of rules and she wasn't very strict. And I just feel like that's helped me so much to have the room to play and become who I am. So thank you, mom. This Mother's Day, FTD can help express your feelings for mom through a floral work of art that's delivered straight to her door. Sure, you could send her a text, but what a great way to show the moms in your life how much you care with breathtaking flower arrangements from FTD's Florist Network. They have amazing bouquets and arrangements that will brighten her home and her day. I just got this amazing bouquet from FTD. Honestly, I've never seen something so like rich and so many colors. To get 25% off a florist-styled bouquet for mom this Mother's Day, go to ftd.com slash Mother's Day. That's ftd.com slash Mother's Day. And Mother's Day is one word, FTD. They can arrange that. So I'm super excited because today we have the amazing Mike Lewis on the show. He is the founder of When to Jump. It's a curated global community featuring individuals, stories, and ideas about leaving something comfortable in order to pursue something amazing, something you have so much passion about. Mike made his own jump when he ditched his job as a financial analyst to become, you guessed it, a pro squash player. It sounds crazy, right? But wait till you hear the story. You're going to love it. He's also the author of When to Jump, If the Job You Have Isn't the Life You Want. And he hosts the When to Jump podcast, um, which I was actually on recently. You could check that out. His work has impacted millions of people around the world. And he has so much advice when it comes to the step-by-step process of setting up your dream job, taking the jump, and never looking back. Sheryl Sandberg wrote the foreword to his book. It's an incredible selection of all different kinds of people who were headed in one direction and decided to change gears and wind up doing something thing you would never even think. So, so cool. And now, without further ado, the oh-so-delightful, very spectacular Mike Lewis. Hey, Mike, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. Yeah, no, it's really cool to have you on, and uh, thank you for having me on your show, and I hope that people will check out your podcast and your book, and there's so much to get into here. But I want to start first with your story. I want you to take us through your story a little bit so that we have a context for all this great wisdom that you're going to impart to us. (laughs) So I'm the youngest of six kids. I was born in New York. When I was just about 13, we went on vacation to California. We thought, geez, it's a pretty nice place. And we ended up moving on a whim. And it was there when I discovered and fell in love with the sport of squash. Uh, Squash is like racquetball or tennis even. I fell in love with it. Our family joined a a family gym and these courts had about a dozen or so active players that that I was adopted into this this family of of mostly adults. I really saw it as a way that I could I could grow out of my own bubble. Um, I dreamed of traveling around the world, and I thought if I could get good enough, maybe I'd go I'd go play around the world. And when I was fourteen, about a year later, our our family hosted a traveling professional player who told me about the professional squash tour. 
And it turns out you can actually play in professional events that dot the globe. And so it all made sense to me. And I said, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go have this dream someday. I'm going to, to take off with my racket and a bag and couch surf my way around the world playing professional squash tournaments. And you know what happened? Life got busy. I went from high school uh, to applying to college. I was lucky to have opportunities to go to college and I was able to play squash there. I studied, I got internships, and then the next foot to drop was getting a job. So I, I started working. Uh, I, I felt like what I had was my dream job. I, I had a job at a venture capital firm. It basically was a job that let me go around and try to find the next big startup that would potentially take our investment as they grew. I loved it. I had a, you know, a lot of ideas myself, and I thought this would really scratch the itch. Um, unfortunately, while I loved the job, I found that in the first few years of working, that voice in my head from 10 years earlier saying that, you know what, you were supposed to go play pro squash, uh, that voice wouldn't go away. And so what I did was, uh, you know, after work and on the way home and on the bus and at lunch, I would start to Google around. You know, I remember my first Google was in, I think it was like January of 13. I Googled, when do you chase your dreams? Oh my God, that's a good one. And what I found was, was, was one of two things. You either get the mushy self-help kind of, hey, live your truth, go do it um, mantras, which are great, but they lack a little bit of the substance I was looking for. Yeah. Or you get the stuff on the other end of having chased dreams and seeing what it looks like when it works out. Uh, the success stories, the glossed over Instagram photos, the LinkedIn posts. Yeah. For me, I, I kind of struggled to see what, what's in that middle area of chasing your dream. Uh, what does it look like to go through the ups and downs? What does day 100 look like or day 1000? And I remember then the same night I Googled when to chase your dreams, I had a magazine on my desk at work. I was the last one in the office. It was the freezing cold January evening in Boston. I looked at this magazine and there was an interview with an Olympic cyclist. And at the very end, it, it had mentioned that before being a cyclist, this woman had worked at a bank. And I really was fascinated by that because I thought, forget the rest of the article, which was about how she was competing in Rio and had competed in London and all this stuff. I wanted to know how did she get out of one job to go for something totally different. Right. And I ended up finding her number through a friend of a friend and cold calling her. Hmm. And when she picked up, we spent an hour speaking. And instead of talking about what it was like to be an Olympic athlete, we spent the whole conversation talking about you know, what I call the 10,000 unsexy steps that come with doing what you love. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I hung up and then that's where it came from. I sketched a cover page. I called it when to jump because that's what I asked her the whole time was, how'd you know when to jump? How'd you know when to jump? And I bought a domain name called whentojump.com. I went into my buddy's office and I said, Corey, this should be a book, but really this should be a community where people can have beers, eat good food, share their crafts and goods yeah. and talk about how they are starting a earring company or making necklaces or, or maybe becoming a pro squash player or making music and be welcomed and accepted in this community that I called when to jump. And we would have festivals and books and podcasts and all that stuff. But, uh, but that was a long way off in January of 13. I just needed permission. And that first story, that first woman to pick up the phone and tell me it was okay to do something different and leave that staircase that was the beginning of my journey. That's amazing. And so you yeah. jumped. Yeah. So about a year and a half later, with more stories like hers in my back pocket, I picked up my bags. I bought a one-way ticket around the world. It was May of 2014. I thought I was going to move to New Zealand for two months and then call it a day, come home, get a real job again. And instead... I spent nearly two years, uh, traveled across 200,000 miles, Oh my goodness! Uh, visited nearly 50 countries, wow. and stayed on the couches of friends of friends, strangers, people I met uh, traveling through squash, and they opened up new worlds to me. And through that experience, uh, this community called When to Jump uh, started to blossom. And from there, it's it's taken off a bit more, and I now get to, you know, very fortunately get to spend my whole time growing and, and curating what is whentojump.com and all the things we've got going on in it. That's amazing. And you wrote a book and people are loving it and you have so <laughs> many things to say. And 
you've spent so much time now sort of living in this out of the box sort of world and you've talked to so many people who've been able to do that and you've been able to figure out some of those steps like what are the things that we actually need to consider and do what are the phases of this how do you know when to jump how do you do it take us through that it's so interesting because when i first collected that initial story I thought, you know, who am I to be an expert on this? And I still don't necessarily feel like I'm an expert. But what was amazing was that after that first story, I would run into someone like my bartender down the street at my local pub or a fellow bus passenger or the receptionist at the front desk of our office building. And everyone had something they wanted to jump for or jump toward. And maybe it was life changing. Maybe they wanted to change their whole career or maybe they just wanted something to do differently on the weekends. But we all had something to jump for. And so I started to collect these stories. And like I said, I told my buddy this should be a book. And uh, sadly, I don't know if you remember the Ice Bucket Challenge, but um, my buddy Corey, who I had shown this cover page to in January of 13, he had started the Ice Bucket Challenge while I was away touring. And oh my he, goodness. Wow. Yeah, he, he was just a big believer in big ideas. And he started it for his friend, Pete Frades, who has ALS. And a couple months after that, my, my buddy Corey passed away in an accident. Oh God. And at that point, I realized, you know what? You only have so much time. And like you said, it really is a treasure and a gift to be on this earth. And we only have so much time. So I really got going on this project. And I started to collect stories. And over time, the stories started to form a unique pattern. So I probably have spoken to thousands of folks informally and hundreds of folks formally in this project. Uh, like you said, my, my book um, shines a light on 44 stories in particular. The book's called When to Jump If the Job You Have Isn't the Life You Want. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sheryl, Sheryl Sandberg, the COO of Facebook and creator of Lean In, gave the foreword. And the 44 stories are organized through what I call the jump curve. And before I get to the jump curve, I would note that these stories are as diverse as you can imagine. Um, mm. The inventor of the lift car mustache is one person. Oh my uh, goodness, that's cute. Yeah. The writer for Sleepless in Seattle is another. He used to be a karate school manager. Uh, the famous author, Michael Lewis, who has my same name, uh, is another story. He left finance to become a writer. The former second baseman for the Chicago Cubs who left the Cubs to go to college. The first female bishop in the Anglican church who left PR to go into the church. They're all included. Yeah, and they create this amazing mosaic. And what I found is anyone can share their story and I can map it to one of the four phases that you can go through or find yourself in as you prepare a jump. The first phase of what I call the jump curve and again, this organizes the book. So there's 10 stories about, about 10 or 11 in each phase. Mm-hmm. The first phase is called listen to the little voice in your head. So I believe fundamentally any jump starts when you can't get rid of that nagging little voice that keeps coming back. And you know what that is if you're listening and you've got that voice. And if you can't hear that voice, it's probably because there's a lot of other noises and distractions in your life right. and it's hard to just isolate. Mm-hmm. And so what I tell people is, If you can, spend the first five minutes of the day unplugged, just listening. And take Mm. a walk, maybe sit in the shower, close your eyes, turn off the the notifications, the apps, the vibrations. Yeah. Yeah. See what that voice is. And so once you've figured out what that voice is, the next phase is called make a plan. And as you can tell, it's a little bit more pragmatic. There's three buckets within make a plan that I think are crucial to understand. Number one, financial planning. Uh, Most folks think that it's impossible to take a jump because it's just, it's too hard financially to to start a new career or to to invest in something totally different and you've got your budget and your bills and your student loans, etc. That's totally true, but it's never too early to start planning. Mm -hmm. And this section of the book, we dive into really tactical and pragmatic ways to start putting away money and inch towards that jump, even if you're not taking leaps and bounds out of the gates. Mm-hmm. The second piece of this section, make a plan, is is what I call safety net sewing. So before you leave your job that you're going to jump from, you know, let's say you're an accountant, you want to become a pottery maker. I would say it's really worth going around to your colleagues and peers and letting them know what you plan to do and not necessarily look for permission but look for support. There's a woman who's a writer and a blogger uh, in our community who who gave a story in this part of the book. 
She talks about how it's important. She was leaving a, a marketing career to become a blogger and a writer named Laura McCallan. And she said, you can't just look for permission because ultimately someone in your office might say, Duh, don't do that. And then you won't get it. Or someone in your life might do that. But if you ask for support, you'll find that you can get that. People will be supportive who care about you. And that's the part of safety net sewing. You might not want to burn a bridge. It might be actually way more smart to let people know what you're doing, share that enthusiasm and look for support, but not permission. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The third piece of, of make a plan is pre-jump practice. So before you start that pottery shop or before I became a squash player full time, I actually joined part time the tour. I played nights and weekends. I shadowed players. Right. If you're starting a pottery shop, maybe it's helpful to shadow other pottery owners. Yep. And maybe it's helpful to look up how to's and starting a business. Do all these things before you have to cut the cords of a paycheck or benefits, right? Get some firm footing before you take that jump. It's what I call the pre-jump practice. And then the third phase, once you've listened to the little voice and make a plan, is to let yourself be lucky. And I think mm. that's a beautiful way to think about taking yeah, a jump. Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, so a lot of people feel like, well, I don't know full certainty what's about to happen, so I can't jump. And that's where most jumps die before they're born. If you waited until you had full certainty on anything in life, you wouldn't actually do it, right? Yeah. So let yourself be lucky means when you get to a point in your planning where you've done as much sketching as you can, you've budgeted where you know you can, you've got to let yourself be lucky and take a step forward and actually jump. And because of the planning you've done and the people you've met and the opportunities you've put forth, you will run into your luck. And this is one of my favorite sections of the book because you hear of so many stories where people have taken a leap of faith. They knew maybe 40% what was going to happen. And the stuff that really defined their experience in taking a jump came after they let their self be lucky. And I'm sure with your jump, you can relate. But for me, that's totally what happened. Um, the biggest fear I had was the unknown. And ultimately, the unknown is what propelled my jump from two months to two years, let me travel all over the world and meet so many amazing people, and ultimately gave me the seeds to this to this now community right. and this now book. So I think at some point you have to jump and let yourself be lucky. And then the, the fourth phase, uh, the final one is once you've jumped, don't look back. So whether you're ahead or behind of your goals, whether you think you're winning or losing compared to your neighbor, best friend, you can't second guess yourself. And so if you look at the jumps in my book, no one who has followed these phases has ended up saying, you know, I really regret that decision to jump. Mm -hmm. I've gone for it. Yeah, they've right. planned, they've strategized, they've let themselves be lucky and they're not looking back. So yeah. I think those are the, the four phases anyone can take with them. Um, like I said, in the book, each, each phase organizes a section of the book with my own story of taking a jump included in the book. And then we have insights and takeaways and frameworks that we include at the end of each section so that people can revisit that section as needed. So it's a bit of my own story, like a memoir. It's a bit of um, an anthology with all of these other stories. And you really feel like you're sitting down having a cup of coffee with, with that lift car mustache inventor. That's so exactly. great. That's so yeah. great. Well, we've got a lot more to cover, but first let's take a quick ad break. Do you ever have trouble finding things in your bag? Like, where are my keys? Where's my wallet? Where's my phone? Where are my breath mints? It's like digging into a black hole. Well, let me just tell you about Dagny Dover. I have the Dakota backpack and I absolutely love it. I walk around my life with three little kids in tow and I usually need like room for a, a change of clothes for them or a juice box and I don't want to wear a diaper bag like I want to be cool. I also sometimes I'm not with the kids and I just want to put in my laptop and like go to a coffee shop and work. This backpack is versatile. It's amazing. It's for anybody who's on the go. Quick drying, lightweight neoprene is the ultimate performance fabric, a dedicated spot for all your necessities like your laptop, wallet, phone, sneakers. Buy one and share one with your boo. His and hers. Each bag is designed to support you in living smart. Dagny Dover is a fusion of fashion and function that keeps you organized while still looking good. Everything has a place because every bag has a purpose. Dagny Dover is offering my listeners 20% off your purchase when you go to dagnydover.com slash dreamjob and enter my code dreamjob. Don't put off getting organized. My bag has changed my life. That's dagnydover.com slash dreamjob. D-A-G-N-E Dover.com slash dreamjob and use my code dreamjob to get 20% off your order. You'll be really happy you did. There's so much good stuff in there and I feel like I want to play devil's advocate with you a little because I want to ask the questions that I would think somebody would ask me if they weren't 
yet ready to do all this and they weren't sold on it right and so i want you to sell this to us you know what i mean and and because it's 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 true for you you've lived this you know so i want to ask you the questions that i think people would ask you and one of those things would be well that sounds great right and it, and and it worked out for all these people but what about for me when i i don't really think that my stuff is good enough or i feel like you know i'm going to put stuff out there and no one's going to care, you know, like, so I, I start a blog. Well, 15,000 other people already have a blog on the same topic, or I'm going to do this and, and no one's going to rally around me. And so it doesn't matter if I'm listening to my voice. It doesn't matter if I have a plan. I don't trust that it's going to be received or it's going to take off. Well, I think those are totally valid concerns. And I felt the exact same way. If you look at other stories of the success stories, they all boil down to taking that first mini, micro, tiny, minuscule step forward. They don't just start out as success stories. They start out as as one of 15,000 other blogs. They start out as someone hmm. lending their couch to a, a stranger in San Francisco to see if they could make their rent for that month. You know, that's the story of, of Joe Gebbia and his co-founders of Airbnb. But Joe, who, who came on our podcast a few weeks ago, you know, he said that was the seventh or eighth jump he made. The first seven didn't work. And so what I would say is embrace failure. Look forward to failing. Uh, Danny Meyer, who also came on the When to Jump podcast, he, he's behind the idea of Shake Shack and Union Square Hospitality Group. And is wow. One of the, yeah. He's one of the more famous restaurateurs, you know, around. What he learns about restaurants and what he credited in our conversation was actually what he learned as a tour guide in Italy during college. It had nothing to do with food. It was taking a stab at something that was interesting to him and then seeing where it took him. So for me, in my story, yes, it can be easy to look back and say, oh, the book and the podcast, all this stuff has worked out. But my first micro mini jump was to collect stories and share them with friends of mine who I thought would find them interesting. Mm -hmm. And that was it. There was really no other goal. My only goal was to show up and do that. Mm -hmm. So for me, I accomplished that goal really early on, even though no one was watching. In fact, I shared my first stories with people who were editors at book publishing houses. And it was funny. They said, you know, I just don't know how many people would be interested in this that's, material. That's hilarious. Yeah. And, and if I defined my jump as I needed a book deal from the first person I talked to, well, guess what? It would have been a failure. But instead, right. I said, I'm going to just show up. And whether you're me, whether you're you, who, who found a way to pursue music in unorthodox manners that, that suited your life, whether you're Danny, who found a way to achieve a passion for food through customer service that he learned doing something totally different. You know, these are real people that did not find that success right off the bat. And that's the point. No one does. And so I, that's what we embrace. And that's why I embrace in my story. And you know, similar to you, we have a, a vibrant community. We just started an online learning program. And what we push people in these courses, we call jump fundamentals, is just to take that first micro step, tell somebody your idea, sketch it down on paper. If you're a baker, make that first scone and, sh and give it to someone who doesn't want a free scone, right? Get out there yes. and test the waters. Yes. And yes, I think that, I agree with that I think that's the biggest starting point. And, and I think that's what I tell people who are listening is you have such a great community of makers and people who want to take up a, a hobby and maybe turn it into something more. It won't become something more overnight. You know, start on that first my mini step of the 10,000 unsexy steps that can make it something more overnight. Yeah. And part of it that I, I think happens is you have to learn to tolerate that those first few things might be uncomfortable, like as opposed to waiting for it to feel comfortable. I think that's something that not everybody is willing to do. And you were to be able to leave and go to New Zealand and then just kind of like swim in the unknown and travel different places and allow yourself to be directed in this person's couch. And then you meet this person. Like it's not always comfortable not to know where you're going to sleep the next day. It's not always comfortable. Oh, totally. And you, you learn to tolerate that. And I wonder where that comes from in you. Like when you were a kid, maybe moving around a lot. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah, what do you think it was in your own life that allowed well, you to have the tolerance for that? Well, I think, in the, you know, listen, you, you face your fair share of adversity and I think any listener has as well. And instead of using that as a, a, a potential 
not excuse, but explanation for not being able to jump, I think what you said can be turned in a really powerful way to be like, you know what, this is why I am able to jump because I have faced a lot of tough challenges in my life. And you know what, I've gone through them and I've seen that it's not all, you know, rosies and daffodils and I'm okay with that. I accept that. I'm going to put up with that. And if I can get through this, I can get through anything. And I think that type of mentality is so important to jump. I mean, to, to tell you the honest truth, which I haven't, you know, it's funny, we just finished a four continent book tour. I was in, um, in Dubai at the world's, wow. yeah, the, the Arab world's largest literature festival uh, that I got to keynote. And it was incredible. And, and, and our podcast is picked up from folks all around the world who have a jump to make. And what I keep seeing and what I keep hearing is this resilience piece. And I think that is what a jump comes down to. And so for me, I don't, I had a very privileged, you know, childhood. I had a family that was, you know, very close that cared for me, that supported me through, you know, educational pursuits, et cetera. Um, but I do look at these micro instances in my, in my childhood, like moving three times. That was a lot. And having to reinvent myself in a new school at the start of junior high and then getting bullied and having to reinvent myself again you know, it creates a little bit of a thick skin where you're like, you know what, I yeah. can put up with this crap and I can go do the next thing. Yeah, I and do so, think so. Yeah. So I think if you're listening and you're like, oh man, you know, I'm raising two kids and I'm paying back my student loans and I've got um, a second job, you know, I would say, listen, in our, in our Jump Fundamentals online course, those people are the most successful people in the course. We yeah. have a woman who's a housekeeper, mother of three, wow. single mom in London who's crushing it. We have a gentleman who's got um, a degree he's finishing, a current job on the side, and is a father of two in Australia. Mm. He's the most active person in our webinars and our classes and our homework. And so what I would say is if you've got challenges then use them to your advantage. And that's, how, you know. And why do you think they're the most successful? Because they're so busy, they make their time when they have it really productive? Basically, yeah. I mean, my friend works at a, at a banking job and he, he found that his managers only give the most important work to the busiest people because those people figure out how that's to prioritize. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And so if, if you're juggling a lot, I mean, there's two things. One, if you've gone through hardships, as we've talked about, I think that's a good thing because if you've gone through hell and back on something else in your life, then creating a side project, a, a side jump, uh, planning and saving and working a little bit extra is going to be second nature to you. Yeah. And when you go do that, when life does get busy, I think you'll see the cream will rise to the top in what you work on, your output and your ability to perform. And that's what we found with these these students I mentioned in our online program. Yeah, I think all that makes sense. And it's I'm glad you said it because so often that was going to be the next thing I was going to say to you and you already covered it because people will say, well, that sounds great, except I do not have the time. I don't have those. I don't have those resources of those hours. You know, I have no time. So that's my excuse. And really, I think when it comes down to it, if you have an excuse like that, you just don't want to face your own inadequacy because it's always that it's always fear. And it's like, it's hard. It's hard to sit there and tolerate that the first time you write that first chapter, you might have thoughts in your head going, this isn't great. Oh my God. Like I know for me as a songwriter, it's kind of painful every time I sit down to write a song because a part of me is thinking, this is terrible. It's horrible. And I have to tolerate that feeling and then sit there until it become something that I think is a little better and I'm my own worst critic. And so sometimes it's not like it was when I was a kid. If I was just being creative to be creative, it was fun. I didn't have that critical side of me blasting these like very, you know, hard to hear thoughts in my head at the same time. And I think that's why sometimes we don't sit down and do the work because we're so hard on ourselves. And I'm sort of amazed that you're not like that because a person who went to a great school and had a job at this big consulting firm. That's a person who probably typically like a perfectionist, like a straight A student, like that kind of a human being. How do you think you were willing to like just kind of be messy and not have it all figured out? <laughs> well, that's actually a really interesting point. I thought about this a bit. You know, what we think people think of us matters a lot. Mm. What we think people perceive of us or what we do and what our job says and how quote unquote successful we are by whatever metrics we, we, 
describe or or apply to ourselves. You know, that that matters a lot. And that was the probably the biggest hurdle for me was to envision myself not as a dilettante, uh, unemployed, wandering, meandering, aimless soul, which is one way I could have looked at leaving my life in Boston and going to play squash. And instead, defining for myself what I wanted my identity to be. And I actually write about this in the book quite a bit. Well before I left, this is in the make a plan section, mm-hmm. while I was budgeting and saving, I actually did a lot of visualization where I would wake up and I would spend a few minutes closing my eyes and imagining that I was a professional squash player. I ate like a pro player. I trained like a pro player. And, oh, you know, I guess I did have a job for 10 or 12 hours a day, but that was just, you know, a side thing. What I really was, was a pro squash player trapped in my desk at work for part of the day. But everything else I did embodied being a professional athlete. I had my own email address. I had my own training schedule. Now, of course, I wasn't even playing any professional players. I wasn't even ranked for a long time, but I envisioned it and I embodied it. And I think that that would really be something I would share with your listeners is, hey, you want to be a great baker or or make great earrings. Imagine yourself as an entrepreneur who makes great earrings, a shopkeeper who creates great vases, a great baker who does wonderful pastries. Whatever that may be, imagine that you are the best at it, that that is your job, that that is your calling. Because if you don't, then no one will. And once you do, everyone will look at you and say, that is what that person is doing. Oh, that's Sam. She's the baker. Oh, that's, that's John. She makes, or he makes the, the best earrings in town. That was Mike. He's now a professional squash player. There were days where I didn't feel like a professional squash player. Most days, in fact, I felt like, you know, a, a tug, like I was an imposter. But I had to really tell myself that this is who I am now. Because if I didn't, I would risk just letting others label me as a wanderer or, uh, you know, unemployed or, or a misfit or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came back from the squash tour, I had done that again. I had visualized making when to jump. I bought when to jump.com. I started a newsletter. I, I knew this was going to be a community. And I remember going to a, a, a dinner party at the end of 2015. I had stayed with my buddy on his couch for what was, I think, four months at the time. And I wasn't even invited to this dinner party, but there would be a speaker. So I came to listen. And before it got going, a woman next to me asked me what I was doing. And I said, instead of saying, well, I need a job. Do you know of anybody who's hiring? Which is probably what my parents would have wanted me to say. I said, I am building this community. And I took out images that I sketched out for a website. I showed our logo. I showed early sketches of of our graphics and and of our advertisements. And I showed her stories that were wrinkled and crumpled in my backpack from two years of, of playing and traveling and sketching out wow. when to jump. And I gave this stranger the pitch. And I said, I'm an entrepreneur making this community. And she said, we'd love to partner with you. I said, oh, that'd Stop be great. It. Oh my God, that's crazy. And what's crazier is she said, you know, my company does really good stuff on video. If you ever need a video partner, I said, well, I'll let you know. She gave me her card and you know who it was? No. It was the speaker for that night's dinner party. It was Ariana Huffington. Oh, my God. Three weeks later, I'm wearing my same clothes I had walked off the squash tour in. This is insane. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm still on my buddy's couch. I fly myself to New York to play my last squash tournament. (sighs) And earlier that day, I get called into the office of Huffington Post. And it's on one side of this large, you know, oak boardroom, conference room table is Ariana Huffington all of the executives from AOL and Huffington Post, and on the other side is me. And Unbelievable. They say, you know, is this a book or a project? Or is this a brand? Is this a community and a platform? And I looked back, and this is where it helps to be able to visualize, because I had visualized that answer for years. I said to them, well, of course this is a brand. And they said, well, well we'd love to partner with you and, and your brand. And later that night, I found a lawyer. I incorporated when to jump. I got trademarks. And a few weeks later, we signed our book deal. And a few weeks after that, we reached, I think, 4 million people on our first video in a series with Huffington Post, a brand collaboration. Amazing. What an amazing thing. 
So I've got a few more questions I want to ask, but let's say thanks to another great sponsor. We'll be right back. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting our podcast. Skillshare is an amazing online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, technology, and so much more. Whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, if you want to start a side hustle or build your own business, Skillshare will keep you learning in 2018 and beyond. I think Skillshare is incredible. I love it. I took some of their classes. They have awesome stuff like creative exercises, stuff on branding, creating a perfect morning routine, business analytics, product pricing, so many things that are relevant to what we all talk about. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right. Skillshare is offering Don't Keep Your Day Job listeners two months of unlimited access to over 18,000 classes for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash dreamjob. Again, just go to Skillshare.com slash dreamjob and get your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash dreamjob. I was listening to a friend of mine. He's so brilliant. His name is David Sachs. He's an Emmy award-winning writer. And I was listening to him speak and he was like, you know, you live in the reality that's that's created by how you perceive it. It's not like you and me or me and her, or this person across the room. We all live in different worlds. We, it's not like there's one objective world. And for you, you had created that reality in your mind. You had visualized it. You knew what, you know, the the sort of outer limits, the expansiveness of where this could go, what it could be. And you had all this optimism and you really kind of stretched your mind beyond what was modeled for you. You know, a lot of people choose jobs because, you know, well, I knew someone who was a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist, so that's all I've seen. So I'm going to have to do one of those things. But you were able to like, sit back and say, what do I want to create? Okay, I'm going to get off this hamster wheel. I'm going to New Zealand. And then what could I do with this? I don't know how to teach that necessarily, but it would be amazing to sort of reverse engineer how to expand your perception of what's possible. Because for so many people, this conversation is frustrating because they walk around with beliefs that are like, the world is, is not fair. In order to pay the bills, you have to settle. You know, people have lots of beliefs, lots of different ones, and it prevents them from even beginning to sketch these things out. So this is something that is essential, is learning to see the world in a new way and learning to see what's possible in a new way. And if he, if you hadn't been doing that, you wouldn't have known what to say to that woman sitting next to you and you wouldn't have been invited to that meeting and you wouldn't have known how to answer, but you were practicing that. Right. So how do we teach people how to do that? Yeah, well, there's two things. I think there's there's something you do on your own and there's something you do with other people. Um, I think I'll start with the second one first. So uh, have you ever heard of the book, The Power of One by Bryce Courtney? No. Oh, it's really great. It's It's about a young boy. It's a novel, but based on kind of a historical context right around World War II and um, in, in actually in sub-Saharan Africa and, and a young boy growing up who wants to become a boxer. And the, one of the many messages that are powerful in the book is this idea of a power of one, where if you can see one example, just one of the person or lifestyle or dream playing out that you want to pursue, that's all you need for it to become possible in your realm mm-hmm. of reality. And okay. I love what you said about the David Sachs line is that's exactly it. Our reality is what we make of it. Obviously, there are tangible things. There are bills to pay. There are, are um, you know, lights to turn on. There are tables to put food on for families. There are real responsibilities. But how we approach that is is a combination of our of our gut internally, but also who we surround ourselves with. And what I take from the power of one is this incredible and, and simple insight that if you can surround yourself with others, even just one person who has gone on and forget, you know, the making physical products or starting a company or finding financial success, but finding one person that's living a life in the same type of way or in the same terms that you believe and you adhere to. I think that is a powerful beachhead and North Star to be able to point towards. So the first piece of advice I would give is to say, find your one, find your North I love Star. That. Yeah. And then the other thing I would suggest is something that I did myself, which is when I was sitting in my office and what was otherwise a pretty bleak scene going into work, 
you know, having a very much a circularity to my life, you know, walking the same way, then turning the same direction, the same number of steps, same button pressed on the elevator, same door to open and close. When I got into my office, while it may have been bleak, I, I plastered it with a couple of what I call affirmations that reminded me that, you know, I did have the agency to make a change. And the one that I kept coming back to, and this is actually where my book starts, is the story of this, is a quote from Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, uh, at a graduation speech he gave at Princeton University in 2010. And, and to, to paraphrase, at the end of the speech, he says, when you're 80 years old yeah. and you're in a, in a moment of quiet reflection on your life and you look back at it, what choices will you be most proud of? And what stories will you make for yourself? And more than any sort of monetary or social catalyst, I think it's that one deep inside of each of us that will push us to change. And to change doesn't mean to go into a 180, to quit your job tomorrow, to move to Bali. A change could just be showing up, you know, opening your blog up, baking that scone, writing down your idea on paper. It's just that it's that showing up part and it's coming from a bird's eye view of your life and thinking what stories will I be most proud of? Yeah, that's really, that, that really cuts right to it, right? And I think that what you were just saying about those ways in showing up, it's really essential because I think that there's this like learned helplessness. I think people walk around and they sort of feel like, why even bother writing it down or thinking about it or searching for that one person and trying to hold on to it because it's never going to happen or there's like this learned helplessness so people don't put in the work and I think like sometimes I'm talking to somebody this happens all the time I'm talking to somebody at a dinner party or I'm talking to somebody who's a friend of a friend and we're and we're having this conversation about what they want to do or who they really are because that's usually what I always wind up asking people what do you really want to do who are you really and I always feel like people are so much closer than they see it. And the only thing that like, would close that gap is them showing up just a, like a little. And it's like, oh, what, 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 what's the point, you know, if I created that content? Okay, yeah, so let's say I was consistent with it for six months. What's going to happen? I'm like, so much, so much is going to happen. And they're like, no, it's not. And I'm like, no, totally. it is. It's like so frustrating. Yeah. Well, you know, it's... I remember in Tennessee, we had a book event and a woman came up next to me after the event and was like, I want to become a blogger. I'm, a, I'm an accountant and I'm most scared of my own success. Like she started a blog and it started to work. So she shut That's it down. That's interesting. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's, it is, a lot of this is in our head and, and, and we are closer than we think, but it's an easy excuse to say, well, I don't have the time or the money. And I always say that it's kind of the rule of fives. And I kind of, that's my own saying. I don't know if that's a thing, but <laughs> if you have five minutes a day, you have enough time. If you have $5 a day, you have enough money. $5 a day is nearly $2,000 a year to put towards something. Mm -hmm. Five minutes a day is tens and tens of hours a year to, to put towards something. So in those respects, you really can get started. And, you know, that's what we preach, you know, on our website and even in our newsletter now, and I'd encourage folks who are listening, if they want to check it out, we send out kind of like a little bit of a nudge every few weeks. Okay, we nice. give a little how-to just to tell people, yeah, to say, hey, like, here's a little nugget you can take home with yeah. you. Because it is really scary. And and that's why we exist, is to be able to kind of help people bridge the gap, yeah. that, that that middle ground from from idea to actually doing and, and turning the light on and saying you have permission and you have a community of people around you. Yeah, what, what you just said, I mean, all of that is really cool. And I think this last word that you used and you used it before, but this thing about permission, I think that there is also something that has to do with self-esteem. And on some level, people don't feel worthy of having a really great, fulfilling life. The way I look at it is, if every human being took care of their own happiness and well-being, right, that actually becomes so selfless because... It's one less person who's moping around, feeling stuck, walking into Starbucks with like a, a frown on. It's like you're not bettering the world by saying, no, no, I'll just have this crumb. No, I'll just sit over here. I'll just take this. It's like that doesn't make you more giving. Yeah. It doesn't make you more oh, yeah. altruistic. It's like the happier people, truly happier people can 
be more generous with just even their energy, right? So, Oh, totally. How do you get to a point where you say, I deserve it. I deserve to get to have that happy life. Because people probably looked at you and went, who does he think he is? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really funny because I still feel, you know, Sheryl Sandberg talks about this in Lean In, the imposter syndrome. Like, who am I? I still feel like someone's going to come knock me on the back of the you know shoulder and say hey you got to get back to your job in boston like like you were only supposed to go for a few months so i think that we all feel like this sense of am i worthy of doing what i actually want to do that's a very it, it feels like a very selfish uh kind of righteous uh, act that we might not be worthy of doing and i think you know what i've realized is that if I don't want this for myself, no one will want it for me because no one knows what's best for me uh, besides me, right? I need to be able to articulate to the world, this is what I'm trying to do. Even with when to jump, it's it's such a work in progress. It's so scary getting up every day, but I have to project the big vision of like, this is where I believe it can go. Otherwise, those people like Ariana Huffington or folks like Cheryl who wrote the foreword or people like you coming on my podcast they're not going to understand where I want to go with it. And so leadership starts with your own personal vision. And I believe that that's true for a company just as much as it's true for an individual. You know, writing down, here's where I want to be in 10 years. Here's where I want to be at the end of this year. Here's, you know, what I want to accomplish. And, and believing that you deserve it. And I think that when you write something down, it becomes more real. So I think that that would be the starting point I would give people is, is to create affirmations um, I have four that I repeat every what morning. What are they? Oh, gosh. I don't know if I can give them out. They're kind of personal to All me. All right, fine. But I can give you the the, the, <laughs> the gist. Yeah, give us the gist. Around, give us the gist. The gist is around gratitude for being able to think about things that I want to do. That's beautiful. And realizing that that's, that that's lucky in and of itself. Yep, gratitude. Another one is presence and feeling that the only thing that I can control right now is right now. And the only thing I can control about the future is right now. Um, I think that's really powerful of being like, today is just today. And yep. I'm going to knock it out. Yep. Uh, and then a sense of fearlessness of saying, I'm going to just go, I'm just going to go crush it. I'm going to go take over the world and do my thing because I can and I will. Yeah. And I say that every morning because if I don't say that, I won't believe it. And if I don't believe it, I won't do it. Say that last one one more time. I believe I will be fearless in going out and taking over the world and doing my thing and absolutely crushing it. Because if I don't believe it, then I won't do it. That's true. Those are really, really powerful things. And the, the, one of the things I wanted to say as we're sort of closing out, and then I'm going to ask you a couple last questions. But this idea, what you just said about just being here today, I think this is like, you know, very, very critical. And it's sort of like, while you're trying to, you know, create more wholeness and goodness in the world, you also have to kind of be where you are each moment, you know, brick by brick, right? It's like you can, you kind of have yeah. this like dream big. And then at the same time, it's sort of like pushing from both sides. It's like the macro and the micro. And I like that you Absolutely. brought them both together. Well, it's funny, we do that. So again, going back to this program, we have, we we ask people kind of what is your big goal and then what are you going to get done this week? And we give everybody a jump buddy. So someone in Sydney is paired with someone in Chicago and we're able to say like, let's keep each other honest. And I think the other thing that goes with that is making a to-do list. <laughs> so it is dreaming big, but then acting really small. I think that's a perfect way to think about yeah, it. Yeah, that's awesome. So as we're summing up, is there anything else you want to say to people listening right now? Is there anything you feel like you just want them to know? I think the, the thing I would end on is that I am not that unique. You know, if you listen to this story and you're inspired, that's awesome. That means a lot to me. But I hope you're not listening to the story being like, that's someone that's not me. Yeah. yeah. Because what I am is a combination and really a compilation of a thousand failures and restarts and things that didn't work. And then just a, a gut feeling to keep going. And so what you see now, what you hear, you know, there are really cool things we're doing, but that's not how it just kind of happened. It happened from, from kind of facing that darkness and facing that, that restart and facing that failure to some degree 
of an idea and then just coming back the next day. So wherever you are in listening to this, you know, know that if it's not going the way you think, that's how it should be going and just keep pushing. And if it is going the way you think, there are going to be dark times, but that's okay. Just keep pushing. Yeah. And lastly, you know, I, I hope to hear from you guys. We, like I said, we have a lot going on and uh, our website's just whentojump.com. We have a newsletter you can sign up for and we have our online program, et cetera, et cetera. But check us out. And, and if you end up jumping and this conversation played some role, we, I mean, that's just totally rad. You should let Kathy or myself know. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, it's so fun to talk to you. You have so much great stuff to share and you're doing really good work in the world. So thank you for that. Tell us quickly where to find you, where to find your book. Oh, yeah. So you can find the book wherever books are sold on Amazon and in stores around the world. Uh, you can also go to the website, whentojump.com. Like I said, if you drop your name on the newsletter, that's super easy. If you want to find out about our online learning course, it's just whentojump.com forward slash jump school. And then the book, you can also just buy it through the website, whentojump.com forward slash book. Um, and we do have a podcast. If you listen to podcasts on Apple or wherever, you can find us there. It's, it's also when to jump. Amazing. Well, this was really, really enjoyable. <laughs> um, and I appreciate you being here. And uh, thanks for also having me on your show. And people can check out me on your podcast and they can check out all your other stuff. And um, I, I'm sure that this podcast just made a difference in somebody's uh, day. So thank you for being and here. And you know what, Kathy, thank you for doing this and for this podcast. And in our conversations before, particularly when you came on ours, I love how authentic you are and how intimate you share your jump story with, with everyone. You know, you really make it clear that, you know, you face your own set of challenges and you find a way to overcome them and it's still evolving. And to me, that's really inspirational. And I felt very lucky to, to get to have that conversation with you then and to have this conversation now. So well, that, I appreciate you having that, me. That has really made me feel good. And thank you for that. And see, that's so like you to do that. And you can't well, fake it's that. Truth. It's just you feel it or you don't. And I appreciate it. So thank you. And um, we'll be checking out your other stuff. And thanks for helping other souls to do their thing. It's really cool. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Ah, that was so much fun. Mike had so many fantastic things to share. Okay, so here are some of the takeaways. Number one, any jump starts when the little voice won't go away. Listen to it. Number two, make a plan. Put money away. Look for the people who will support you. Try it out part-time. Number three, let yourself be lucky. Don't wait for full certainty. That's where jumps die. Number four, embrace failure. Look forward to it. Number five, it won't become more overnight. It starts with the mini unsexy steps that can make it something more. Number six, use adversity to your advantage. Hardships help. Number seven, envision yourself as the baker, the jewelry maker, the pro squash athlete. If you don't, no one will. Number eight, find your one North Star, the one person who lives in the same terms you believe in. Number nine, say you can crush it because you can and you will. Number 10, dream big and act small. And number 11, success happens from facing the failure and the restarts and coming back the next day. I want to share something with you. Last week, I had three like awful days in a row. I was not a happy camper. I was like so upset. I was crying. I was like feeling like I was in a fog. And over the weekend, I was with a dear friend of mine who I haven't seen in a while. And she's so inspiring. She's always like reaching for high, higher levels of consciousness. And she's always just like really on the journey, on the soul journey to just feel more, more alive and be more herself and lift herself to her potential. And we were having a conversation. I was watching the way that she just is and where she's at at this point. It was so inspiring to me. And I realized from talking to her that we all have these like old survival skills, these like coping mechanisms that we've been carrying around since we're kids, like things that we did as children to keep us feeling safe. Sometimes as adults, those things really keep us stuck. And for me, I had, you know, parents who had their own stuff going on and they weren't really able to be there so much for me because they were in a tremendous amount of pain and they had their own issues with anxiety and depression. And then my dad left and things went even more sort of chaotic. And I think as a kid on some level in my 
in my life, I kind of felt like I had to teach myself not to need other people. And I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but I think it's something that a lot of people have have learned to do, like not to really attach ourselves so much, not to really need some other person so much because you learned maybe as a kid that you can't, like that person who you needed to be there more than anyone, like your parents, maybe wasn't able to be there in that way. So you learn to be really self-reliant. And I realized that I'm sometimes just in survival mode and I'm not necessarily letting my husband be there for me or I'm proactively, you know, setting up sort of my life in a way where I'm going to be taking care of myself. And that's not great for our emotional intimacy and our connection. And I notice how that gets me stuck. And sometimes the reason I'm mentioning it is because I think for all of us, there are these things that they're so unconscious and we think that we're being productive or brave when really we're just in fear or really we're just protecting ourselves with these like old pieces of armor that we don't need anymore. And so being with my friend this past weekend, I just felt so inspired by her and lifted by her and seeing her courage and how she's been able to let go of some of her survival skills to actually free herself and be here now. And it takes tremendous courage to be vulnerable and let go of those defenses that you feel have been keeping you safe because you have had to, you've had to crawl your way through many decades, like all of us have. And I think that once in a while we have to stop and raise the vibration, raise the consciousness, take a look at what isn't serving us anymore and free ourselves so that we can have deeper relationships and more joy. So that's something that I went through this past week. And I hope that I will hold on to this clarity and have the courage to let go of some of that stuff. Um, By the way, I posted something about it yesterday on Instagram. And I've been I've been posting every single day there. If you guys want to follow me, I'm at Kathy.Heller, Kathy's with a C. And I also respond to all my DMs. So if you want to reach out to me and let me know if you had something you were struggling with or something you were excited about, you can always get me there. Like that's the best place to reach me. But um, I love you guys. I love doing the show. I'm so grateful for it. Thanks for making this space for me. And I'm so glad that it feels like it's making an impact and making you guys feel more seen and like you matter more and like things are possible because they really are. And it's amazing the kind of life that you can create for yourself if you keep walking towards things and do things even when you're scared. I love you guys so much and I'll leave you with a song. Talk to you next week. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.
Like a soldier.